0: it was 7,
1: waited till 11 just to figure out that no one would call I think I've got a lot of friends but I don't hear from them what's another night all alone when you're spending every day on your own and here it goes I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare I'm just a kid and I know that it's not fair.
0: Nobody cares. I'm alone in the world is having more fun than me tonight.
1: Remember that one? Ooh. Simple plan. I'm just a kid going
0: way back
1: to that, that emo pop punk that I loved in high school little simple plan and that's kind of that's kind of how I was feeling uh, this week because uh, I freaking turned 30 this week guys and uh my inner me was just like <laughs> I'm just a kid what how am I 30? what's going on <laughs> I'm just a kid. Anyway, losing my mind. How are you guys doing? What a what a great way and a strange way to start this podcast with a little bit of simple plan. Taking it back, guys. How are you? Welcome to Jeremiah Wonders. figured I'd start off this pod with a little ditty from back in the day. Been enjoying doing that, trying to get a little better at guitar every week for you guys while I improve my sax skills as well. Just trying to bear myself for this podcast, you know what I mean? Just trying to get you guys as much entertainment and love as possible. How was your week? Was it good? I hope it was good. We're gonna make it good if it's not good, baby. Yeah, that's right. That's what my mom always says. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to go home. I'll tell you what, I'm freaking your boy is freaking burnt out. From being in LA, I just need some. I just need some breathing time. I need some space away from LA, and I'm uh, I'm gonna go home later this week for eight days over the Christmas holiday. Then I'm with uh, Tony Hinchcliffe in Dallas actually for New Year's Eve, so that should be fun. But yeah, guys, hope this is a good start to your week. Whether you're traveling, whether you're stuck in your cubicle, whether you're driving for your job, you're en route in traffic, whatever. Hope this finds you well, guys. Yeah. You know what I haven't done in a little bit? I haven't done an artist spotlight. And uh, it's been a minute. I was, I wanted to do more of these, and I kind of forgot about it, actually. But my buddy, Jeff Rocaz, who produced the song My Name is Jeremiah off the Reagan Watkins album and what is uh, the intro for this podcast, he uh, has a new song out. So I wanted to catch up with him. So let's chat with my buddy Jeffro about his new song. What's up,
2: buddy? Good to have you back on the show. Jeremiah Watkins, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, brother. Yeah, man, you've been busy. I've been, yeah, I've been keeping busy. You could say that, like usual. It's the yeah. end of the year grind, you know? I know. Keeping up, homie. Yes, sir. <laughs> Tell our listeners
1: what uh, you've been up to the, since the last time you uh, appeared on Jeremiah Wonders. All right,
2: so the last time I was here... Uh, you could say that I've been doing sessions, per usual, with an artist named Austin Mahone, um, working on stuff for an artist named Kalani, And uh, I have this new song coming out this Thursday. It's called Schemin, and it's with an artist named Cam Meekins, who I've worked with a lot. He's a rapper based out of New England, but uh, actually he lives in L.A. right now. And uh, we've done a lot of stuff in the past, like where I would produce his stuff, and then he would feature me. So this new song, Schemin, is actually my song. It was supposed to be his, but he was like, You're all over this, so why don't we flip it around? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The last song that uh that we played on Jeremiah Wonders,
2: uh, you were actually singing and uh this is uh this is this is you rapping. Yeah, this one I am rapping on. Um I keep telling people I'm not trying to be a rapper, but a lot of times the bars come out faster than the hooks come Mm -hmm. out for me for whatever reason. And it's kind of funny because I started writing this song in 2014 at my parents' house in the basement, uh, probably December 2014, when I was just out there for the holidays. I wrote the hook, I wrote the piano thing. 2016, I was out in Thailand, uh, literally just rapping on my phone, making phone memos while I was standing in the, uh, the Gulf of Thailand. And that's, kind of how this all got pieced together i started playing the the demo for people and they're like this is cool you should do something with it so 2018 i started um reproducing it and here we are so it's kind of been a span of four years it's in a, been sense. a process yeah 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 so here we go so let's uh let's have a little taste right. of scheming
1: by jeffro featuring cam meekins
2: we just keep on scheming when all is it in done we just keep on scheming. I don't really know if I wanna chase you forever. Why are we playing V games when we should be running together? Cause you know what you want, but you just don't respond to my effort. And if heart breaks the science, I guess you can call me an expert reloading with you you keep on shooting me down this love is up in the air we should be breaking new ground when all is said and done we just just keep on scheming when all is said and done We just keep on
3: scheming I told her I can't explain it, she keep texting, complaining I think it's messing my brain up, she's saying the same stuff Like I'm a hockey player, bitch, you put me on thin ice And I was shopping at La Brea, trying to get you nice Fights, texts, and snaps, rice sessions, and rats Which one is more important, let me ask I mean, I don't think your intention was to ruin shit But every time I see you at a party, you stay doing shit I don't think that cheating's got more common. I think technology just makes us see the shit more often. And that for us is the problem. I try and judge less and trust more. Cause what the hell we gonna achieve by me calling you a slut or you checking my DMs religiously at 11 p.m.?
4: It's endlessly affecting my REM sleep. But me and you, we troubled love from the jump. Got a whole bunch of baggage. Stay doing what you want.
1: That was dope, bro. Thank you so much. Yeah, and that's available. uh, It's actually
2: available now
1: on SoundCloud and other platforms.
2: Yes. uh, Yeah, exactly. Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, Apple Music title wherever you prefer to go oh that, that Jay-Z title on that <laughs> platform I like that I like that uh, yeah let people uh, know uh, where they can find your info online oh yeah everything is slash Jeffro Cause and uh, believe it or not there's other Jeffros with the same spelling as G-E-O-F-F-R-O so I added cause cause you know You got to support the Jeffro cause. You got to support that Jeffro cause. And that's what we're doing here on Jeremiah Wonders today. That's right. Dude, thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much there you
1: go guys that was this week's Artist Spotlight hope to do more of those in the future let me know how you guys like those hit me up on Instagram at Jeremiah Standup or on Twitter social media, whatever your poison is the show has a new email actually jeremiahwonders at gmail.com
2: what, the show is streamlining
1: yep, email your boy yep, that's right (laughs) I almost said the old email address right there Email jeremiahwonders at gmail.com. That's right. That'll take some getting used to. Yeah, that's right. Send your music submissions and your kindness challenge letters there. And uh, if you want to support the show, uh, there's a PayPal donation button at JeremiahWonders.com. And uh, if you can't sub, uh, if you can't su- submit anything through that, then uh, go to iTunes. How about a submit a review instead of anything monetary. That helps your boy out a lot and uh, help, helps me climb the iTunes charts and gets uh, some new people listening to this show. What did I do this week? Well, we did our Toys for Tots benefit for Stand Up on the Spot. It's our uh, our annual Toys for Tots uh, charity benefit that we do. The, the Marines came out. They collected a bunch of toys, and I want to thank my buddy, uh, my co-producer, Brian Woods, who's been helping me. Uh, this is our seventh Toys for Tots benefit show, so it was, it was pretty special, it was a good time, had uh, Mr. Joe Rogan, Brendan Shaw, Brian Callen, Skylar Stone, Brian Moses all on it, man, good times guys, good times, I had, a, uh, had an audition on the Paramount lot, wow, that's always fun, and I saw Henry Winkler and Bill Hader, and I was like, I don't even care if I get this audition, I saw a couple dope dudes, it's gonna be a good day. Positive vibes. That's right, guys. I want to thank the sponsors of this show Speedweed at Speedweed on Twitter and Bronxborn at Bronxborn Pizza. Yeah, in Bend, Oregon. Or you can go to Greyblock Pizza in Santa Monica. Same company, same owner. Thomas Schiffer, what up? Gino over at Speedweed. Hey, what's going on? Get that sticky icky with Gino if you like that marijuana delivery service. I want to give another shout-out to David Knowles and Seth Miller over at Menchie Music in Pennsylvania. They're trying to hook your boy up with something. We're in talks. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it might happen in the next week or so. Fingers crossed, guys. also want to thank, uh, always, as always, a huge thank you to my buddy Gage T-Arena at Gage, i j e r i n a to Arena for editing this audio and video. of This podcast, he had a very busy week and uh, had a lot of stuff come up. So I really appreciate him going out of his way to make that happen and uh, you know getting this uh, out to you guys on time. It takes a strong team to uh, produce the the show that is Jeremiah Wonders, and uh, I'm slowly creating my Avengers of the podcast, building this thing out, and I'm super grateful that I've got some super creative people that contribute their time and love and energy to the show, and any artwork that's sent in for Jeremiah Wonders or Kill Tony, I'm very grateful to anybody uh, that sends that stuff in. Benji Aflalo is the guest today, guys. Good friend from back in the day. We, uh, he took me on my first road gig. We, uh, we talk about that as well as uh, one of his epic birthday parties at his place. There's some fun call-ins. I think you're going to enjoy it. I'm pretty tired right now. Um, had a busy week. We shot another Reagan and Watkins' video. Details on that soon. Man, this is going to be a fun one. It's for our song Stepdad. That's all I'm going to say. So, that's going to be coming out hopefully uh, soon. I think you guys are going to love it. Without further ado, let's get into this episode with my pal, Benji Aflalo on Jeremiah Wonders. I get hot sometimes when I'm recording.
3: I get hot in the middle. In the middle? It's always a thing in performing. So, so mid sh- mid show, mid show, you take it off. You take it off if that's where I'm at. I run hot. I start hot. I don't. I start cold. You start cold all the
1: time. You're just freezing in the back of the room.
3: Usually, my opener during winter sets is about how cold I am. I'll oh, really? Just start
1: off talking about how cold I am. Well, I was much heavier around this time last year because I was doing that uh, weight gain challenge with Tony, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Literally back to being 30 pounds lighter than that again, and I've been getting, with this LA weather, just being in the 50s, I'm like,
3: it's so cold. Oh, really?
1: Yeah, yeah, just because I don't have as much mass on my body anymore. (laughs) I'm cold all the time. I will put the
3: heat on in my house to, like, 80 degrees, and then people will come over. Like, if someone comes over unexpectedly... It's like embarrassing how warm I keep my house like I'm a dying old person, yeah, it's like
1: an old woman's
3: and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot, sorry. Oh whoops, I must have left that on by accident, yeah, because it it's kind of gross when you just walk into like a stoner's house and it's 90 degrees, and that's what I that's how I'm comfortable. yeah, I'm Middle Eastern, so I like the heat, I guess.
1: I mean, yeah, Moroccan, right? Half Moroccan, yeah, Let's see. I know what's up, and I do <laughs> 90 minute hot yoga. do you really? Yeah, and it's hot. And how I, long did it take you to build up to to
3: that? Cause that's, it's always been 90 minutes. You cla- all well, been you doing just started the
1: class and you're like, yeah,
3: I mean, it's hard. The first few times you do it, you're just, it takes a, it takes a while. And I'm now at the point now where I'm not like, I have to run out of the room, but yeah, I'd say the first year or two of me doing it, you have those thoughts. And the first couple times you do it, you're like, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Is there water in the room? Uh, yeah, you can bring in water. Okay. Yeah. Yikes. But your heart starts racing because the positions in Bikram are designed to sort of cleanse you and have blood rush into things and blood rush out. So there are moments where you're just like, the the instructor will be like, okay, right now you probably feel really dizzy like you're dying, or right now you feel like you might throw up, or right now your heart's racing and you think you're having a heart attack. You're not. We're giving you a mini heart attack now so you don't have a big one later.
1: They really but, walk you through it like that? Yeah, because like there's certain... People are ex- freaking out mentally. They're like, what's going on? What's going on?
3: Yeah. They're Yeah, They'll 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 start talking you through whatever mental neuroses you're going through wow. because it's like it, because sometimes the blood rushes to your head and then to your heart and then to your legs and then back and forth and then you're kind of upside down. And, and so all of a sudden you like you're, you've been upside down for a while and you've been in a room that's 107 degrees for yeah. 30 minutes. And then you come up again really fast. Like they can sort of sometimes sort of anticipate where you'll be at.
1: Everything's going to be fine. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Is everything going to be okay?
3: Yeah. And then you're just like let go of the thoughts. Let go. Let go of the thoughts. Yeah.
0: I don't know if I can.
3: It can be hard. It's the hardest I think when your heart is racing cuz it's like My you know, heart feels
0: like it's going to explode right now, Benji.
3: Would you try it with me? I'll go. I've done it with I'll some go. people. I've yeah. done it with con- like some a lot of comics. I've, I've been trying
1: it. to I've been trying to exercise more and I actually enjoy yoga. I actually stretch every day. I'd love to see you do this ninety-minute one. Well, dude, I'll die. I mean, I'll feel like I'm dying. But, dude, I did. Um, I did the the stairs for thirty minutes straight at the the gym the other day, and I was just like,
0: "It's the worst thing ever."
1: I've gotten into a really good energy drink that's been helping
3: me, and I've I've always seen those weird drinks at the gym. That people drink, and I'm like, I'm not drinking that. But there's this new one. It's a new-ish called Celsius, and it's a green tea. It's like a more healthy Red Bull.
1: Benji, I'm scared to try it because I might like it because everything that you've introduced me to so far, I've fallen in love with. Right. Goat, Goat milk. Yes. I'm from Kansas. Never had goat milk before. And then I go over to my L.A. friend Benji's place, and he's like, you should try this.
3: Well cuz you were fresh out of the Midwest and we oh, became yeah. friends and I was like I got to show you some some stuff.
1: Yep. Lucifer's Pizza, another one. Yeah, that's great. One of my favorite spots in LA. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, but that goat milk, the first time it was like nectar from the gods cuz you know, I drink whole I well, now I drink like maybe like 2%. I was on a whole milk kick for about, you know, forever <laughs> until recently and uh now it tastes a little bit like like almost like a milkshake whenever I drink whole milk. Oh, really? I like I've, like, I've oh, lowered right. my tolerance to it. So now whenever I drink whole milk, I'm like, oh, wow, this is like thick. What do you eat it with? Cereal and stuff? Yeah. I don't eat cereal. I don't eat cereal as much anymore. You're so big. I don't big. eat breakfast as much as I used to. Like, like where I'm eating like a full on like breakfast. Right. I usually like wait till later in the day. That's what I do. I'll do like a banana or something in the morning. I
3: feel like people like you are so
1: big, you burn so many
3: calories that you can just eat a bunch of sugary cereal. Like someone like me, I'll just like get fat. You past. pooch it up? I will pooch out. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> you pooch up? I've been, I'll, I'm known to pooch. It's been uh, pooch zone over at my place. I walk away and everyone's like, Benji looks kind of poochy. <laughs> I don't know how to say this to Benji. He's like a little poochy lately. <laughs> the other day, our mutual friend, Willie Hunter was like, are you getting fat? And I'm like, I mean, I've gained a little weight, but it's a lot of muscle. He's like, "Don't get fat, Benji. You have your whole life ahead of you." And I'm just like, Willie will call you
1: out like that. Yeah, he just he'll he'll see that. I mean, that's why he doesn't care. Like when people like talk to him about like his bleached hair, because he's like, "Yeah, I know, I know." (laughs) (laughs) Dude, uh, you were actually Benji. I don't think I've. um, uh, I think I mentioned this to to some other people on this podcast, but you. Took me on one of my first road gigs, if not my first road gig like out of Los Angeles.
3: Where did I take you?
1: To Lestat's. Oh, in, cool. Near San Diego. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It awesome. was you, Sandy Danto, and me in the car. Okay, sure. Yeah,
3: Lestat's was, is a great gig, and I feel like... I also have a photo somewhere of me, Melissa Via Senior, and Rick Glassman and Adam Sajan, and I think I took them. So it's kind of funny where you're like, yeah, because Mark Ellis took me, and then they're like, "You're great. Come back on your own any other time." And I was like, and I remembered and this is when we were young. Like, I'm happy to do the stat still, but I wouldn't be like as excited. But it's an exciting, cool spot. But when you're young, it's exciting because it's a longer spot. It's a great crowd. And so when Mark Ellis took me, I was like, it was so cool. Like, like what you're describing. Heck yeah. And then they were immediately like. Come back and bring people, and I was like, I get to give people what I just got, which is this cool thing. Dude, it's such a cool feeling. So yeah, it was it was cool. Because the second you get any power in stand up comedy, you're like, I want to help my friends.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, you gotta. It's one of those things. You definitely feel like you need to pay it forward because yeah, other people around you have helped you or given you spots or opportunities mm-hmm. when. You kind of knew, like, you took it whenever it happened, but you're like, this could go either way. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean?
3: Or especially in retrospect, you look back and you're like, I was not good and they were helping me out. Oh, and yeah. Blah, blah, blah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think about my first gig I did on the road, maybe it was my, my first tour with Bobby Lee and I was not ready. Yeah. I was maybe two years in featuring. Oh, wow. I did not have the material. It was Misery. I think I did okay, like, I didn't do, like, terrible, but I'm sure by my standards now it would be, yeah, bombing.
1: Did he he give you notes after sets or anything
3: like that? No, I don't remember, not really. I think he just knew that he was just sort of helping me out. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. But I remember there was one show at the San Jose Improv, it was, like, my second feature thing, and there were maybe, like, four shows, and I did good at one of them. And I remember coming off stage after that one good show. It was like maybe like the second night's first show. And I was just like so happy. And him and Nick Youssef looked at me like, what are you?
0: Yeah, what are you so happy about? I was like, I actually
3: functioned as a comedian for 15 minutes or whatever I got. I
0: did my job tonight. Yeah.
3: It's
1: a different feeling. That was a
3: scary place to perform early on. San Jose Improv, big theater.
1: Yeah, that's actually one of the improvs that I have not done yet. It's a big theater.
3: So I hear it's like an old school, like big theater. Yeah. And so, not being that good at comedy yet, it was intimidating. So intimidating. Yeah. You're going up, you're like, oh, uh, it's a theater. What am I yeah. doing here? Yeah. Speaking of goat milk, you ready for what's in here? Uh, yep. Oat milk.
1: What is that? It's milk made out of oats. I figured, but I wanted you to explain it maybe a little bit more than that. It's,
3: it's really popular now. There's two kinds. There's regular oat milk. There's low-fat oat milk. It's got a really creamy texture to it. Okay. Um, if you're looking for a milk alternative, it kicks almond in the ass. Cashew, see you later. Soy milk, I don't think so. The number one animal-free whatever milk right now is oat. But goat milk is good too, but like, where are you going to get goat milk? You know? Wow.
1: Dude, I think... um. I think your health food, uh, uh, you know that that health food that you go to on, on Wilshire? Oh, Air one? Yeah. On Beverly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, on Beverly, sorry. Uh, one of the uh, cashiers is actually calling in from Air One oh, right okay. now. Hey, is this Benji? Yeah, hey, what's up? Hey, dude, I just, uh, I wanted to call you. You're on the uh, the Super Savers program over here at Air One, so I wanted to give you an update before any of the other customers, bro.
3: You bet you're behind I am. What's going on, dude?
1: Yeah, dude, we just got some grape milk in, dude.
3: Grape milk?
1: Yeah, we milk grapes now.
3: Isn't that grape juice?
1: No, it's way different.
3: So you're just extracting the part of the grape that's milky?
1: Yeah, exactly, dude. It's getting that grape nut just, like, in milk form, dude.
3: What would you compare it to in terms of, like, texture and taste? <sighs>
1: Man, that's, uh, you know, um, if you suck the uh, the good parts out of a milkshake, but like the non-tasteless part as well, it's kind of tastes like that.
3: Like a milkshake?
1: I guess if you want to call it that, yeah.
3: Well, thanks for the heads up. Can you maybe put some on hold? I'd love to try this new grape milk.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we also got some, uh, some, some great kombucha packs over here, too.
3: Kombucha packs?
1: Yeah, you've never had a kombucha health pack before?
3: It sounds like a Rocketeer kind of thing. Is that like a...
1: No, not at all, man. It's uh it's actually a combo pack. Uh it's got kombucha and then there's also like a side of kale that it comes with like in a you know those 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 salad mixes that you like DIY yeah. You stir the kale in a bag, okay? You mix it with kombucha, you take it as a shot for breakfast, and you're set for like three weeks healthy, bro. Oh, really? Yeah, And man. then the rest
3: of the few weeks I can just be drinking and smoking and oh, eating dessert?
1: absolutely. It combats that entirely. I like that. Yeah, it's the kombucha combat pat.
3: Okay, kombucha packs. That yeah. sounds right. I kind of yeah. let kombucha go, to be honest.
1: Oh, dude, come back to us, bro.
3: It's just that in terms of healthy beverages, I feel like kombucha is sort of like five years ago. I will say this, though. You ready dude, for this? tell that
1: to kombucha's face, dude. That's hard.
3: I'm pretty sure I'm the first person, maybe not the only, but definitely the first person to drink kombucha on stage at the comedy store during my set.
1: Dude, I can't tell you how proud that makes us over at year one.
3: It's going to be you. one of the
1: coolest things we've ever heard.
3: I have a lot of weird firsts because I eat and drink a lot of weird things. So in terms of comedy and beverages, I feel like I... I'm really on the forefront.
1: Well, if you get into NASCAR and you're interested in some sponsors, uh, we definitely have some cool vegetables and stuff that we'd love to slap on the side of your car.
3: Okay, yeah. I don't think NASCAR is happening anytime soon. I okay. can't I can't see that well. Oh, okay. I don't really have a career in racing. What's up
1: with your eyes?
3: Um, I got this. I'm cross-eyed.
1: All right. Well, uh, I'll see you later, dude. Uh, Yeah, but make sure you come by and get one of those kombucha packs.
3: Okay, cool. Yeah, thanks, and dude. Great
1: milk for sure. Okay, yeah. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, it was nice of that employee to go out of his way to call into the show. <laughs> Very Well, strange. they re-
3: they really go out of their way there.
1: Yeah, they seem like uh the customer service is uh is beyond there.
3: And there's so many like fancy uppity people there. That I think they see through me and they're like, oh, he's one of, he's in the nice one. Yeah. Because everyone there is just like on their phone and their Range Rover coming in, giving attitude. And I go in like kind of stoned, ready to be friendly, saying thank you, saying please. And then you get phone calls like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dude, uh, I want to talk about uh, one of your birthday parties that you had. That was one of my favorite adult (laughs) parties that I've ever been to. Uh, Benji's, it was your grandma, right? It was at her place? I was, uh already 30 and my grandma said did you have
3: a birthday party when you turned 30 and i said no i actually turned 30 i think in a parking lot in virginia after performing at the draft house with natasha and we were like eating burritos and i'm like i'm 30 it was just like because i'm not a birthday person yeah but my grandma loves throwing parties so she says we're throwing you a party for your 31st birthday and i was like okay and i'm like i can invite whoever i want she's like yeah and then so i was like this is gonna be crazy it's gonna be all like my old republican jew family mixed with all these like drunk comedians low-life stu- comedian yeah friends. and i was yeah. like let's do it such
1: low status yeah
3: it was such a funny mix <laughs> at one point my at the during the party my sister walks up to me and she was like you did it this is hilarious <laughs>
1: <laughs> dude it was so good we we walk into uh your grandma's place and it's it's a very nice house in like the beverly hills area and i'm looking around and it's all these like Broke starving comics That were like This is incredible <laughs> There's food everywhere Uh, Your grandma I don't know if you did Or your grandma Or who hired A live action Mickey <laughs> and Minnie Mouse To walk around Like it was Disneyland And the masks That they had On their head Looked like they were Wire Like literally Mesh Helmets That were like Legit from the 1950s Okay
3: there's a lot To unpack here All Everything he said Is true <laughs> Firstly, my grandma... I'm going to tell a quick story just to describe the prowess my grandmother has for throwing parties. Okay. One time, my sister is at their house, and she's having like a breakfast get-together, and there's some people over. And my sister sees my grandma putting birthday candles in a birthday cake. And she's like, oh, no. So she goes up to my grandma, and she's like, hey, whose birthday is it? I had no idea. And my grandma goes, no one's. Isn't that fun? She's just putting candles in a cake. So when she gets the opportunity to throw me a party, she... Got her Mickey She's about to get and Minnie Mouse. Yeah. And she was like, I didn't want to tell you. I knew you'd say no. So she just surprised you with that. I had no idea that was coming. And at that point, I was pretty drunk. Well, okay. And then all of a sudden also, Mickey and Minnie came Mickey out. Mickey
1: and Minnie coming out, like, it was kind of terrifying. It was terrifying because, because it yeah. was human bodies. But yeah. the only thing that was cartoonish were, like, these mesh 1950s helmets that looked like literally like bird wire and art was like, manufactured by, like, handmade yeah, kind of thing.
3: she got it, like, probably in the Santee Alley in the 70s. The Santee Alley is sort of, like, LA's version of Canal Street, and if you don't know what the Santee Alley or Canal Street is, it's basically, Canal Street's in New York, Santee Alley's in LA. It's basically a street where you can buy, like, counterfeit purses and socks for $2, and they're, they're kind of dying out because, like, H&M and so stuff. So she owned that stuff? They used that, they, they my grandparents have property in the Santee Alley, which is like, it literally looks like an alley in, like, Mexico or something because it's just, like, people screaming and selling stuff. It's, like, wild. But in, like, the 70s and 80s, that was their livelihood. And so they would do things to, like, revitalize the Alley or make it a fun place to be. So on weekends, they would people dress up like Mickey and Minnie in, like, the 80s. And then, so those are really old. They're from, like, back then. You could tell.
1: They were legit.
3: But they look frightening.
1: They're very frightening. Because,
3: yeah, they're made out of, like, wiring and, Mm -hmm. like, papier-mâché and they're just... It's like a kind of skinnier, more sinister-looking Mickey and Minnie. Like,
1: I dressed up as uh, Mickey for one of the recent historical roasts that we did, and I had full Mickey makeup done with, like, a black swim cap and then, like, (laughs) ears, and like, people... I got so many messages on Instagram that people were like, this is so scary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's because Mickey's
3: very round. And yeah. so when it's like a round Mickey face, then you're like, oh, okay, oh, that's nice cute. And- oh. But you have like a long skinny face. And yeah. when Mickey's like skinny, it looks like evil Mickey.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody messaged me they're like, this is like the perfect mix between the Joker and Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I'm into like evil Mickey stuff. Like I've gone and like Google image. That could be kind of some cool cosplay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like Google image oh, like sorry, evil Mickey. I, ju-
1: I just
4: ripped your arm off. <laughs>
3: exactly. Or like with razor-edged yeah. teeth and stuff and bloody.
1: Sheesh. Maybe goth Mickey would be fun. That'd be a fun one.
3: Maybe we should go as different Mickeys for next Halloween. I think we
1: should. You know what? Uh, this is kind of crazy, but uh, goth Mickey Mouse is actually oh. calling into the show right now. That's crazy. Uh, hello? Uh, is this goth Mickey? Oh, yeah, it is. Hello? Good. Could- you sound a little quiet there. Are you okay, buddy? Well, I'm
4: goth Mickey, man. I mean, what do you want from me?
1: Uh, I'm sad. <laughs> okay, you're sad. Sorry.
4: Life isn't worth living.
1: Mickey, don't say that.
4: Minnie hasn't been returning my calls. I've been... I've
1: been you haven't been cutting yourself again, have I've you? i cutting again. No, goth Mickey. Oh, goth darn it.
4: And my, and my hands are so big, it's hard to do a subtle cut. These are pretty deep. <laughs> I don't have the, the finger dexterity that humans do to cut themselves.
1: Okay, Goth Mickey, this is uh, this is kind of... Uh, this phone call is kind of alarming and ruining my childhood right now.
0: It gets
4: worse, Jeremiah.
1: What's worse than that? Well,
4: before Minnie left, I stole some of her eyeliner because you know I'm goth and I have to put on eyeliner. And uh-huh. I don't know all the tricks about cleaning makeup, and now I have three eye styes.
0: You have three eye styes? Life
4: isn't worth living, Jeremiah. No, it is...
0: It is
1: goth mickey. You need to step off from that ledge, my friend. I'll understand. Okay,
4: I took a third of an oxycontin.
1: Wait, what did that do to you?
4: Made me feel for once.
1: Wow, what did what did feeling feel like, goth mickey?
4: Temporary, fleeting, bittersweet.
1: Well, okay, I, I've got to like improve your mood. I mean, how's don't tell me like goofy is goth as well. Goofy's got a whole problems what's his issues well goofy's
4: into dominatrix stuff so he likes to get spit on and (laughs) he likes to
1: get hit i think uh i think goth goofy might be calling in right now
0: oh hey what's up goth goofy oh oh, i just i just got chained up to a mattress and had my taint lit on fire
4: that sounds expensive
0: oh it was it wiped out my savings account
4: know. Goofy, you gotta stop hurting yourself like that.
0: Oh, it's rich coming from you, the guy who cuts himself all the time.
4: At least I don't involve other people. At least I saved my money. I'm a decent father. You're spending all your money on getting sodomized.
0: Hey, listen, my son Max hasn't talked to me in years.
4: Well, Why do you think so? You spent all his college money on getting hit in the face and yelled at in German. It's a condition, okay? Okay, I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry, too.
4: There's just so much sorrow in the world. It's like everything's a dark cloud I have to see through.
0: Sometimes I feel like I'm living in the basement of the shadows of my former self.
4: I don't even know who my former self is. It's like I'm a shell of a shell of a shell.
0: Sometimes I wonder if I was just a normal dog, if I would have led a happier life, or if, because I'm an anthropomorphic dog, I'm wishing to become the human that I'll never be. Yeah,
4: anthropomorphism's pretty tricky, I guess. But you know what? What? The simple life is for sissies.
0: Yeah, that's right. Do you want to go rob a bank? Uh, maybe like a, a bank somewhere kind of. Like tough. an ATM stand next to a hot topic, perhaps? What's the point? You're
1: right. Uh-huh. All right, we just lost both of them. I don't know where they oh went. Oh my god, but that, that was that was kind of hard to listen to. Yeah,
3: I mean, that was depressing. Yeah. Who would have thought that Mickey is a cutter? I mean, it's years later. He's probably worn out from years of working and stuff. Dude, and like, he's
1: so, like, just tired of, like, the system. I can't even imagine him going to Walt Disneyland and just seeing the image of his former self in his prime. Yeah. he will never get back to that. And now everyone's making
3: Pixar movies and stuff, and he's like, I want to be the next Moana. And they're like, Mickey, you had your time. Just kind of hang out, and we'll, we'll let you know when we need you. Die
1: peacefully. Yeah, so he's <sighs> isolating. Wait till the next reboot. Right. Mm-hmm. Sad stuff. So we're at your party, and uh, there's- And you jumped in the pool. I jumped in the pool with Dan Madonia. Okay. My grandma still brings that up. Does she'll, she really? She'll go and,
4: you your crazy friends jumped in the pool.
1: Okay, so imagine like this beautiful mansion in Beverly Hills- It's not a
3: mansion. And it's like a nice house, but it's not
1: like... Here's the thing. For somebody (laughs) that's coming from Kansas and from the Midwest, this thing's a mansion. It's so not. (laughs) I consider it a mansion, okay? It's a five-bed...
3: I guess it's a six-bedroom. How many bedroom?
1: Okay, it's a six-bedroom.
3: But really, it's a... I'd call it a five, but you could call it a six.
1: Okay, five and a half. We'll do that. You walk in. There's gold columns and stuff. The, there's no
3: gold columns. <laughs> there is
1: gold somewhere well, in not. that house. There definitely no, was. Maybe gold stuff but not gold columns. Okay, th- somewhere a banister or something was gold. I re- specifically <laughs> remember that. I'm there the Did my the white time. trash mind just uh, imagine? <laughs> I, think I so. just walked in. I'm like, gee, this is wild. This is swell. I've never been in a place like this before. Yeah. So I walk in and I'm like looking at all the place. Does it have black and white check? Or tile floor in some place, um, kind of, yeah. The kitchen. Okay, so sort of. okay, perfect. You walk out to the back, and everything, like the garden area, everything is so well kept. It's like clear, clearly, like a lot of groundskeepers put their love and time into making sure everything's. Yeah, there's perfect. a koi pond. There's a freaking koi a pond there, and then there's a pool. So you have all these rich and fancy people walking around, like dress not up really rich nice. and fancy. <laughs>
3: I come from, all everyone in my, I don't know, everyone in my family's, I wouldn't call them, some of them might be fancy. Your gra- your grandma was dressed up. She's all, yeah, well, she's a grandma. Okay,
1: well, she had some of her friends there. Right. Okay. So she's they- an
3: old lady from Brooklyn. They have, like, they like to do, get their hair did
1: and right, stuff. Right, so her friends were dressed up and stuff. So, yeah. so far, everything that I've said, I've had a great rebuttal to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and but a great I response I back down. To. Who backs down? You back down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: i don't fight i go this is what i think then someone goes well this is it and i go
1: okay keep going <laughs> so so far i'm correct then next to the koi pond and then uh, outside uh there there's different catering stations and there's different open bar stations and then there's a pool that nobody is using because it's you know kind of you know it's
3: well there's it's, tables set up everywhere it's our grandson
1: yeah there's tables to eat and stuff there's it's our grandson's birthday who would get in the pool Benji had thrown out there that there was a pool and to bring your swim trunks. So, Dan Madoni and I were literally the only ones who, like, took our shirts off and jumped in the pool. And there's, like, music playing and stuff. And literally, we feel rich people's eyes just honing in and centering in on Dan and I. And, like, we can literally feel them, like, thinking, like, oh, Benji invited a couple of his... Poor friends.
3: No one in my family has that type of inner monologue. <laughs> Everyone in my family grew was... up so poor, so they're all like kind of gritty. They might have money, but they're like
1: gritty. Look at these. And they're not
3: that rich. Look they're at these like two medium.
1: poor idiots in the pool over here. What are they doing? Trying to embarrass us in front of Adenji's 31st birthday, huh? It's probably they were more,
3: even though Dan is half Jewish, they have uh, they have like a Jewish superiority complex. Mm-hmm. So they're probably like, look at these non Jews just swimming and happy. And just so with their fun. blonde, beautiful hair. Yeah, it's was
1: just two blonde dudes. <laughs> it was just... two
3: blonde, skinny guys. Yeah, I think with that long, was probably what was
1: going on in their heads. <laughs> look at these two Gentiles yeah. <laughs> stinking up the pool over there. Disgusting. <laughs> Yeah. I can't believe Benji invited them. I mean, seriously, what's going on? No, they know. They know. They they know what's up. I'm glad that your grandma still brings that up because I think that that's probably, you know, one of the highlights of her party throwing extravaganzas from over the years. Yeah, I think so. It's got to be, you know, top five for sure. There's this one time I enter- entertained all these comedian boys. Well, what she's also really into
3: with these parties is she'll then... She's really into photography, so she'll hire a photographer. Yeah. And then for the literally the next two to three years, she was working on an album of photos from that party. Really? And then it got to the point where she like made all these books. And I literally have... I now have a drawer, a huge drawer in my house... Of photo albums my grandma gives me oh that's so cool and what's really funny is one of the people i invited brady matthews a funny comedian friend he came he was like hey i'm with seven people can we just come and i'm just like yeah sure come and so in my grandma made like a zillion of these albums and there's a whole page dedicated to brady matthews and like eight people i don't know and there's even pictures of them without brady at all and my grandma like printed albums and dedicated entire pages to groups of people i don't even know who they are
1: that's so great (laughs) Your grandma's awesome. Yeah, she's great. Dude, uh she's getting old though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mine's getting up there too. Yeah. Yeah. My I just celebrated my grandma's ninetieth birthday. I went back to Whoa. Kansas. Yeah. How's she doing? She's doing all right. Yeah. 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 But uh people were shocked uh because like her family from like Mississippi came and stuff mm-hmm. and people who knew her from whenever she was a missionary. Uh huh. So this was like old school Christians. Like old school. So they were literally somebody hopped on the piano and started like playing amazing grace. And then everybody just started singing it at this like family reunion. And I was just like doing Instagram videos of it, just like laughing and stuff, because it's just like it's like for people out here, that kind of behavior is so shocking. Like, oh, uh, you know how we should celebrate somebody's birthday. We should get around, love each other and sing amazing grace. Like, it was literally, like, so polar opposite than, you know, some, like, people were, like, messaging me. They're like, this is how you grew up. I was like, well, this is the extreme version of, like, moments of whenever I grew up. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up a lot around a lot of weird Jew stuff that I'm sure like,
3: other super people. super traditional? Yeah, I mean, I didn't grow up, like, really religious or anything. But there'd be stuff where you would be like, what is going on? yeah. Like there's this one thing, you know, Passover, the Jews getting freed from slavery in Egypt holiday. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and then they eat the matzah? Yeah. For whatever reason, we have a family tradition where there's like a there's a tray you put the matzah on that everyone has at their dinner table. My dad will run around the dinner table singing a, a song in Hebrew, hitting your head with the matzah tray, and then he'll hit everyone's head with the matzah tray.
1: It's just his his fun tradition. Yeah. But stuff like that yeah,
3: but I didn't see a lot of Christian stuff growing up cuz I was in Jewish school through 8th grade.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So, what do you what yeah, how how are you pretty unfamiliar then with with Christian faith and stuff like that?
3: I know some stuff cuz I had the Old Testament, so I have all that. New Testament stuff, I don't really know that much, but then because Dude, you got to check out the new stuff.
1: <laughs> dude you got to man it's crazy man i know some of it but uh dude wait till you get to revelations dog man there's some crazy stuff going on there man i'm just like pushing benji slowly dude man that's where it's at man you gotta check out that new new yeah yeah i i I don't know this is is like a cool christian cat (laughs) that's just like man man yeah the old testament Yeah, it's tried and true it's good stuff but dude that new testament that's straight up fire dog yeah.
3: I mean growing up most things are Christian, so Christmas movies you watch and stuff like that. Did
1: you did like was this may sound like a very silly question, but when Adam Sandler came out with the Hanukkah song, was you were, were you like this is awesome?
3: Yeah, because we already loved Adam Sandler because of those albums. So when the Hanukkah song came out, you're like, "Oh my god, the coolest funniest guy made a Hanukkah song." It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. You're like,
1: "This dude is freaking representing us."
3: I I never felt like it was I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I never had a lot of pride in being Jewish, so it was never like, "Finally, we're being represented." It wasn't like that. It was just more so like I thought it was hilarious, right? Because to this day, like I'm not like a religious person, and it all kind of makes me uncomfortable. Gotcha. That's understandable. At least that aspect of it, where it's like, you're like having the identity
1: behind... Yeah, like, I'm putting my entire, like, this is part of what people are going to associate with my personality and stuff like that.
3: Yeah. Because I, mean, I, I, g-
1: I knew those people for sure growing up, where, like, you take that out of, you, let's take religion or spirituality out of them, and then there's like, oh, you're just like, you're just a shell of a person. Right. You haven't, like, found other things to, you know, fill your life out with.
3: Right, yeah. Yeah. I consider myself Jewish like biologically because I look and sound and sneeze Jewish. <laughs> but um How but,
1: how do Jews sneeze?
3: <laughs> it's actually we we sneeze as we talk. It's like an, an, the sneeze integrates into our voice.
4: <laughs>
1: yeah. Dude, uh you another first um uh that I want to talk about with you was was uh, you and Tony were really the first door guys at the comedy store. To really push for me to get up, but you were like me the, first. You were the OG one. You were the OG. one. I saw one. something in you, Jeremiah. Benji was literally—he pulled me aside after I had a really strong set in uh, uh, in the original room on potluck. But Benji got me that spot as well. He got me the spot. I did well. I delivered, and then he brought me over to the talent coordinator at the time, and he's like, "You need to start watching this guy." Yeah, like, and I always me, put you up, and you always put me up. Right. Like it was one of those things where, you know, it's way different now with the host. Like it's way less kind of political than it used to be. It's pretty freaking random now. Like they draw, like some people start to get up a little bit more where the door guys kind of decide, I think, a little bit. But it used to be like host the, chooses the host chooses like the entire 16 spots. Right. Which like you would go out there with the door guys and be like, yes, no. Oh, the yes. open mic spots for the open mic. But I would spots. also give you non open. You give me mic friends spots. and family spots. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It used to be where, but it would go back and forth where they would let you pick the open mic spots and then they wouldn't. But would mostly, g- yeah. I think I would give you just the regular spot after the open mic. Yeah, or I'd put you up some, on. I don't remember now, but
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You well, you you put me in the friends and family spot, and then uh, the talent coordin- coordinator is like, I want you to do the open mic for a while, and but I, I'll make sure that you get up on the open mic. So like you help like really get my foot in the door at the comedy store which I'll always be grateful for. It's pretty awesome.
3: I cuz there was nobody like you. There still isn't. So oh, I was like I appreciate that. Yeah. For me I'm all about diversity. Hey, man, I'm into it, too. Because it's a, it's supply and demand in stand-up. Well, that, if there's other people like you, and that's why there's like 30 bitter, good-looking comics who look great and can't get spots or whatever. I mean, that's yeah. not a good example, but like... I know what you mean, though. It's that there's if there's other people like you, then it doesn't matter. You can be bitter, you can be this, but it's like at the end of the day, you, you are replaceable by a bunch of other people. If you're not differentiating
1: demand. yourself with, yeah. with something, and what I would always try to do, I'd always try... Tried to do something new or something different. And then I'd also, the whole goal of my set was to to make the room better than how I found it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, why other hosts started putting me up too, is because he's like, he may not have like an amazing set, but the energy does improve after he gets off stage and does his time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That was like my goal. But yeah, you worked there as a door guy for a long time three years. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Which some people are a lot longer there. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: True. But yeah, you worked your way up through. Yep. And and became a paid regular through the, the door guy route. Yeah. How uh, did you get passed ahead of any friends or anything like that? That they were like, it was kind of upsetting to them or anything like that? Or were you kind of on par with your other people in your quote unquote class? I
3: think the first one to get passed out of our class was Francisco. And then I think it was Matt. And then it was like Esther. And then I think it was. I think I may have gotten past right before Tony because I remember Tony just
1: being really pissed.
3: <laughs> and I don't remember if that was because I got past first or
1: just Matt did, or, or something. if he was just happened to be last in the class. Yeah, no I people. think
3: he. I think, but it was like within month. Like it was all within probably like six months. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I maybe Tony was before me. I don't really remember now, but I, I'm pretty certain like Matt and Francisco were the first ones, and then and then Esther. I'm pretty sure was right before me, and Martindale before me. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, which is pretty cool that you and Esther got passed around the same time because I took that picture of, uh, of that, that pilot script that was at my place from forever ago. I found it in my car of, which is now alone together. Oh, the short we made the short that you made. And this was like years ago, Yeah, like before you sold the pilot or anything.
3: It was when we were making our short. Was that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. I, you want to hear something? My grandma's birthday party that she threw for me was the next day after we finished shooting our short. Oh, wow. So what year was that? Um, that was 2015. Okay. No, 2014. 2014. Yeah, that was August 2014. I just want to give the first.
1: listeners and viewers like a timeline on sometimes how long a creative idea can take to blossom. Cuz when did you guys start shooting? Like when did you, like you sell the show and like when did you start shooting it?
3: The timeline is like this. December 2013 we had our outline done. Okay. It took us from December 2013 to August 2014 to like find someone to help us shoot it and prepare for, like do pre-production stuff. We shot it in August of 2014, finished editing it December 2014. Found people who liked it. We we met up with the the Lonely production company. Liked it. Blah 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 blah. But we didn't actually get to pitching it until December two thousand fifteen. Okay. And then we pitched it. We sold it to networks. We, then we didn't actually shoot the pilot until August two thousand sixteen. And then we didn't shoot the actual season one until two thousand seventeen.
1: Oh, man. And
3: then it didn't air until January 2018.
1: That's a lot of waiting in between.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why everything's so easy now. The waiting and this, like, you know, with what we do, it's like sometimes you have something, sometimes you're waiting, sometimes you're pushing for the next thing. It's like, and that's why when we got canceled, like, I was, it didn't, it didn't hurt as bad as people think it would. Mm -hmm. And it's not because, like, I didn't love it. I did. But um, it was just because... You're always in that mind frame of like, this might go, this might not move forward. This might do this, this might not do that. This is really hard. Like It's like, you're always ready. And when it was happening, it was such a cool experience that I didn't even feel like I deserved it. And I felt like I could lose it at any second because I didn't feel like I was, I have like imposter syndrome. And so, yeah, it's like, it was always, it was easy for me to get canceled because I never even felt like I deserved it. But I mean, yeah, you guys did (laughs) too. Not easy. I'm sad, but. Right.
1: You guys did two full seasons, though, right? Yeah, we did two full seasons. Two yeah. full seasons, and now they're, it's available on Hulu, right? Yeah, it's on Hulu. I mean, dude, yeah. that's awesome. That's Yeah, kinda we're, how, we're pretty stoked. That's kind of how I went into, uh, I mean, so far every season of Roast Battle, because we never know if that show's going to come back or not. Right. We're super grateful to be doing it, especially with friends and stuff, because what was cool about what you guys did on the show is there's a lot of comedians that you were able to get onto the show, which is like, it's so dope going back to, you know, whenever you get something as a comic, you want to be able to help out your other comedian friends, which is really cool. I have a lot of respect for what you and Esther did with that. It makes it so fun. Cause then you have these incredible moments where it's like,
3: you're working with someone on a TV set and there's like a crew of 50 people. And it's professional and this and that and costumes and makeup and blah, blah, blah. And then you like look at the person you're working with and it's your friend who you remember like doing open mics with seven years ago or like, and you both know your hustle. It's like, that's the thing with standup, man. It's like a at the end of the day, like, we are all sort of hustlers or grinders, whatever you want to call it. And obviously there's some who are – have more uh, – to use one of my friend's vernacular, they have obvious moves or more moves than others. Yeah. And most – but at the end of the day, like, we're all grinders. You know what I mean? We're all people who, like, pushed forward and weren't making money or breaking even on gigs or emailing. We Every comedian can go five years back in their emails and find the most embarrassing, thirsty emails or texts they sent or, like – we're all grinders and we're all like thirsty. So like, not thirsty, like you grow up, but yeah. you remember where you started you're, and yeah, what you, you remember did. all
1: those cringy moments where you're like, oh man, I can't believe I, whew, well, I'm glad I had the tenacity to keep going with that.
3: I think a lot about it was like a metaphor I read in some self-help book, but they talk about uh, like how a rocket ship needs, uses most of the fuel just to get out of the atmosphere. And then once it's out of the atmosphere, it can kind of coast a little bit. And oh. I think it's kind of like that. It's like. When you're a young comic, you're just grinding so hard. So yeah, when you get to work with people in like a cool professional thing, and you remember the bar show they used to ran, or yeah. how desperate you both were, or the open mics you did, yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I love seeing. Yeah, I love seeing friends get things and like move forward. And yeah, me up. too. And, me
3: too, dude. It's I rem- so wild.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> dude. This made me laugh so <laughs> hard. So I, Benji was nice enough. He. I think I auditioned a couple times for Alone Together. Oh, okay. Whenever uh, uh, they were doing the castings for it, and uh, I, w- <laughs> I went up to uh, to Benji at the comedy store. Like after I had sent in a self tape, like I was on the road, like uh, we were doing Kill Tonys, like in Phoenix or something like that. So I had to do like a self tape on the road, and uh, I went up to you at the store. I was like, "Hey, Benji, I auditioned for your show," and you just looked at me. and You go, "I'm trying, man." <laughs> <laughs>
4: It's so hard. And
1: I was like, oh, I didn't get it.
3: Got it. (laughs) It's the toughest situation because you want to help all your friends, but there's all sorts of stuff that come up and different voices and that. And it's like, it also sucks because some people work on every, every show is a different circumstance. So some people will work on a show and they don't have to audition their friends. They can be like, we want that friend to play this part. Yeah. It's like insert
1: this role here. Yeah.
3: uh, we, We didn't always have that situation. And that doesn't mean one's better than the other. It's just what's up. But yeah, we tried to help everyone we could. We it was, really did. It was cool, man. And it was, yeah, it was hectic at times, but we did our best. I did my best. I really did. I don't, like, there's obviously some friends that I look at now where I'm like, oh, I wish I could have got them on or helped them or this and that. But I, the I, fact that
1: you're even putting that energy out there to, yeah. that you wanted to help and that you did help the certain friends that, that you were able to and they made it through, you know, the checklist or whatever. That's that's all that you needed to do. Like that's amazing.
3: Not in the eyes of someone who's like, why didn't they help me?
1: Yeah, but like, I'm not going to help dude, them. It's no. like I appreciated that you even threw an audition my way. I wasn't like expecting it, and like I didn't get it. Well, I wasn't like, man, they could have done more. I'm like, oh, I just didn't fit it right enough, or whatever. Like, but I'm a right. pretty logical, <laughs> right. grounded person. I'm right. just like appreciative. Uh, do you have any crazy uh, comedy store stories? Like uh, so many working there, like as a door guy. So many. You want to share? Does any come to mind whenever, like, you get asked that question? Well, I mean, Benji's seen a lot of stuff at the store. Um, Wait a second, I—this is a big surprise, but uh, a former talent coordinator of the Comedy Store, uh, Tommy Morris, is actually calling in to the show right now. Uh, hello, Tommy.
3: Well, hello, Jeremiah. Uh,
1: hey, Tommy, how's it going?
3: Well, it's not that simple, Jeremiah. It's going okay, you know. I'm just, uh, I'm going to feel so bad doing this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you don't have to tell me about specifics with uh, with anything that's going on currently, uh, but you, you did call in for a reason. Uh, did Benji and you have a lot of uh, crazy stories?
4: Well, Benji's, as you know, a Jew, and you know, they're of a
3: different fabric, Jeremiah, and you realize that we're both blonde, okay? So I get where you come from, but I also understand the Jew brain because of Mitzi.
1: Right. Uh, I guess that makes sense in a weird way.
4: They're of a different fabric.
1: Okay, they're of a different fabric. All right. So, d- uh d- do you have something that comes to mind? Did you give any uh, advice to Benji that the Benji uh, remembers? Don't do you be think? like
3: one of those Middle Eastern real estate people who come in here.
1: Okay. Yeah. They come in
3: here, they act like they own the place. Sometimes at potluck, Benji would act like that, and I'd pull him aside and I'd be like, "Hey." Stop acting so Middle Eastern. But be Middle Eastern because we need that.
1: Use it, don't use it. Okay, all good advice.
3: Well, it's not just that. (laughs) What else? Well, it's about your beats, Jeremiah. That's what I was always telling you. You're going up there doing jumping jacks and and gargling water.
1: I mean, yeah, all of this is true.
3: Wearing socks and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I was wearing socks, yeah.
3: I always told you, you know, we did, we didn't need another long haired guy, okay? We already have Ingram. We had to find we had to make sure you find your own angle.
1: Right, 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 right. It was a different definitely a filling of slots thing for. Too sure. many
4: blondes. Too Sorry m- I didn't pass you.
1: It's all it's all good. I, I forgive you. <laughs> now, uh did you have any crazy interactions or crazy stories, uh, Benji? Uh the the with Tommy or uh with the comedy store? Um The craziest night I saw there was uh The
3: the night people got blowjobs on stage.
1: Oh, uh, I think we'll say goodbye to uh, Tommy unless he was there that night. Was he there that night? He definitely was not. Okay, well, uh, thanks for calling into the show, Tommy.
3: Of course I wasn't there last night. That night, it was a Tuesday.
1: (laughs) All right, well, now Tuesdays are ironically one of the hottest nights of the week, but uh, that's interesting. Anyway, so, uh, uh, Benji, what happened when everybody got blowjobs on stage? There was a um, a sex worker
3: type lady there at the sh- at the thing, like a porn star slash sex worker type entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't whatever. I'm I'm not claiming she was to...
1: the inter- enterprise of prostitutes.
3: M- yeah, I don't know exactly, but you could rent her sex worker adjacent or porn star. Put adjacent, some miles
1: on her, return her. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, dude. I don't. Anyway,
3: she's. I'll never forget how it started because I was part of what started it. Oh yeah. And it was me and Sam Tripoli on the front patio talking to this girl yes. who was like saying, you know, talking a big game. And then there was some like open microtype hanging out there. And then I don't know if she was joking or what her thing was, but she was sort of attracting attention. And she sort of put her arm around him and was like, this guy has the biggest dick here. And I don't remember who this guy was. He was just like a guy who was lurking at the time. Maybe they were friends. I don't think they were. And then all of a sudden, I don't remember who yells it, but they're like, Dick competition and then I'll never forget like PJ like jumps on a co- a cocktail table and starts like rubbing his dick to try to like prepare for a dick competition sort of in a joking manner but like yeah that was the thing oh I also think what helped get this going was that I, I when I was a younger man I could put my feet behind my head what and then i was like if I, I and then the girl i told the girl that and she was like i don't believe you and i go if i put my feet behind my head will you and she was like yeah so that attract, that's what sort of attract a lot of attention right, right, right. all of a sudden there's a what lady upping? in a skirt with her feet behind her head so then the big dick competition everyone starts yelling and then sam was like take it to the stage take it to the stage because don barris was up because it was sort of later yeah yeah so literally the whole front patio just like probably like 15 people come up the stairs. And, and, like, and, like, we go to Don. We're like, Don, we're having a big dick competition. And Don's like, well, okay. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, he Don's, goes right into he it. He goes into it, but it, like, acts bashful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gee, <laughs> I don't know, guys. Yeah. I,
1: are we really going to do this? Get up here. So she gets on stage.
3: I'm pretty sure she got naked or something. And then the two guys who were willing to take their dick out, dicks out who were there were Dan Madonia, who we brought up once. Dan Madonia. And yeah. Ari Shafir. Mm-hmm. And they both, yeah, got. Blown on stage, but neither of them could really get it up, so it wasn't as much of a big dick. It evolved from a dick competition to a blowjob competition while she was on stage acting all sexy, and Don was sort of being, you know, or maybe Sam. There was, yeah. Right. But then, yeah. But I was in charge for shutting the front door because Goldfinger was the manager. We used to have a manager, Goldfinger, and he was pretty chill.
4: Goldfinger.
3: And then I look at Goldfinger, I'm like, Gold, because Goldfinger's panicking. He's like, people are getting blown on stage, I'm going to get... He has a panic look in his eye, and I go, Goldfinger, shut the front door. And then he was like, good idea. And I'm like, yeah, and shut the back door too. Like, people are getting blown on stage. Like, what are you doing? Put the curtains up.
1: Yeah. We can't function as a business yeah, right like now. Right
3: now, the doors have to be shut.
1: This is the underground blowjob railroad right now, okay? We have to make this happen. Goldfinger, get on it. So those
3: are my contributions. Getting her to put her feet behind her head on the patio. On like the floor of the patio. Before it was nice and slick. That was when it was like gravelly oh, and gross. Yeah, it was, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then telling Goldfinger to shut the doors. Wow. And she blew both Madonia and Ari Shafir? Yes. And they were both well trimmed. I remember that. I remember being like, what's wrong with me? Like, I'm not ready to take my dick out. Like, they're like ready and trim. Like, they were very trim. They're
1: like porn star status. They're like ready to I think to at the go. time,
3: yeah, they were younger and more uh, um, robust <laughs> about their sexuality. Younger
1: and robust. <laughs> That's so great. Let's get. In. I don't
3: know if they're still that pubeless. Maybe they are.
1: They might be. Or they could be, dude, just fierce. Fierce in the bush game. Yeah. Who knows? Let's get into this next segment, Fanning Out.
0: Questions
1: from fans. I reached out to people online and asked them if they could ask Benji Aflalo any question. What question would it be? And I want to ask you a few. This is coming from Instagram. Uh, how similar is your real-life relationship with Esther to your show Alone Together? I feel like it's not far off. At Carvno on Instagram.
3: Um, it's pretty similar. There's, uh, there's elements of having a TV show where things sort of have to be upped, whether it's stakes or, like, you need a character to be active. Right, you gotta
1: heighten certain things. Yeah,
3: so in real life, like, I'm not as active, like, the character on TV would, like, get himself into situations where he was lying or stuff like that. Like, that doesn't really happen, but, like, um, and me and Esther probably in real life are a little darker. No, I don't know if we're darker, but, um... We're a little different. I think we're both kind of shut-ins in real life, so we're not getting into, like, as many, like...
1: Right, because if you're a shut-in, then obviously you're not going out and getting into these predicaments. Yeah, Yeah, this show
3: is basically like, what if these shut-ins were forced to do stuff? That was sort of our... Yeah. But I I don't want to put that on her that she's a shut-in. She does plenty of stuff also. So, like, but it's, it's pretty similar... I'm not a very imaginative person, so given the opportunity to just write what I would do, I'm just going to think of the first thing I would do and try to run with it. And right. Ask people if they think it's funny. If they do, I'll just go for it.
1: Did the show go directly to Freeform, or did it almost land at another network before it went there? Because um, like, stylistically, did you have to shift it to Freeform, or were they just like, this is great, this works?
3: Um. Well, in the first stages of like selling the idea... With using our short as sort of a, mm-hmm. a little helping tool of selling it, um, we had opportunities to go to other networks, but we or in that phase, but we chose freeform.
1: Nice, yeah. All right, this one comes from at Connor Chase ninety five on Instagram. Give us some of your first bits when you just started stand up. Do you have any premises or anything that you remember that you would try to go on stage with that you know never. Um, Nothing ever t- came to fruition from those.
3: I was so bad at comedy for so long and I was very aggressive and mean and so there was a lot about what I was doing that's like so humiliating now but I was sort of a, a little aggressive and mean and into that.
1: Dude, you were you were dark with your wit on stage. Yeah, it was, I was crazy. I was and it, and it was very unexpected too because you're like
3: this guy is this like, he's like this evil guy. This is. Yeah. I don't, I used to ask for crowd work. I'd be like, so who'd you rather sleep with your mom or your dad? And people would be like, what are you asking me? And I'm like, <laughs> it's crowd work. Ain't this fun? And I'm just, they're just like, Jesus. Just horrible questions. Um. Yeah. I mean, I just had like a lot of one liners. I did like a lot of race jokes. Like I'm not like racist, obviously, but back then people were still like doing like silly jokes about black people or Mexicans or women or whatever it was. So I pro I had more race stuff that was just stupid that
1: I don't do anymore. Do you still talk about your uh your your house uh maid? Uh yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Like I used That's to have funny. a joke
3: where I go, I used to date a black chick. She was really self centered. I called her
1: narcissista.
3: See, like, just awful. <laughs>
1: um, and then uh I really want narcissista to call into the show right now.
3: <laughs> and then I had another joke, what because this is of the moment, I'd be like, uh did you hear Michael Richards is going to star in the new Tim Burton movie? Oh, really? It's called N-Word Hands. Oh, my goodness. I like
1: that one. See, stuff like that. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, some of the act-outs that I no longer do are so embarrassing and cringeworthy. Right, yeah, you would commit to They're, act-outs oh, really hard. Commit to, yeah, just everything. So, just like, I have to see it through, even if it's bombing. And those would be some of my sets in the OR during, you know, the potluck or Friends and Family, just like... Me committing just so hard, and then just like getting like hardly anything right. back, and I'm like,
3: "All right, back to the writing room." It's because improv's all about commitment, and that's where you came from. And it was yeah. just like, if I commit, everyone will clap for me. And then you yeah. start doing comedy at one a.m. for three people, and you're like, "I got to do more than commit." Yeah, yeah. No, no.
1: It's whew, yeah. That has definitely made me a much more well-rounded comedian. Like figuring that part out. Yeah, you don't want to just do you know. um, at. John Mon Jarden on Instagram. Uh, weirdest religious slash Jewish superstitions that you've heard of? Hmm.
3: Jewish superstitions I've heard of. Um, nothing unusual. I mean, a lot of them put those mezuzahs up on the door and kiss them. I mean, a lot of it is crazy. I mean, they make their women wear wigs, the religious Jews. Oh, really? And then, like the way they make them dress. Yeah. I didn't know that one. Yeah, a lot of the religious women you see are wearing wigs because they can't show their real hair. What kind of wigs?
1: Wigs, man. I mean, just like... Wigs that look like hair. Just like pinned down... I don't like know. in buns or whatever, or there's just actual whatever kind of wigs. I
3: don't know a lot about wigs. No, no, no. I'm just saying, wear like, a wig. I
1: mean, I'm like, they're not obviously doing like Jew afros that are like, like they put the women in and stuff like that. It's like long haired wigs. Is that he, what you're talking about?
3: Imagine you're a woman who's being forced to wear a wig. You're going to
1: like pick the prettiest wig possible. I assume. Okay. It can be any style.
3: Yeah, it's not like everyone it's,
1: has to look... It's not like, you know, like, mohawks and stuff like that. It, <laughs> like they're like, I want that one, because that one's edgy. It's because you're a Christian, so you think everyone has, like, the Christian housewife haircut? <laughs> like,
3: the, like, Philadelphia Quaker thing, or uh, um, Pennsylvania Quaker? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, they wear wigs. A lot of the stuff they do to win, but that's just, like, really religious Jews. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff really religious Jews is weird. I mean, yeah, they don't use electricity on the weekends, and i could go on and on that's a real thing yeah on the sabbath from friday night to sundown saturday no electricity yeah
1: that that's the kind of stuff where um i think like you know you get to to heaven or wherever you believe in if there's an afterlife and like all those little things like i i can't imagine like god sending somebody to hell and being like remember when you turned on that light bulb that one weekend do you know what i mean
3: I think that's not what religion is necessarily I, for. It's just no. to like keep you in line and give you something.
1: It's like you said, when you don't have that, what do you have? And yeah. then they they just choose to have that. You'll like this question. At Mo underscore Brains top three ska bands of all time.
3: Well, this is a tough question because different ones contributed different things. Okay. So it's like, I'm sure there's a Jamaican ska band that I don't even know that really is the origin of everything or one of the hugest influences. And then you could even look at like the specials who had such a huge influence on ska after that. Um, And then there's some punk bands that really influenced third wave ska. So I'll just give you my three favorite ska bands that are straight up ska. And then I'm going to give you an asterisk. I think my three favorite ska bands from that era, I would have to give it to Less Than Jake, The Aquabats, Mormons, and Mormons. I'll probably go to Real Big Fish. Probably, yeah, Less Than Jake, Real Big Fish, and Aquabats. And then I'd also maybe go to The Hippos. But in reality, the I think the one of the most... Influ- like Because thir- I was mostly into third wave ska, I'm a really big Operation Ivy fan and they're mostly known as a punk band. But they've had a huge influence on Scott and a huge influence on the punk scene of the '90s. So I think Operation Ivy is the most important.
1: Little-known fact: uh, Before, whenever I'm on the road with Joel Jimenez, before we uh, we leave our hotel room to go do Kill Tonys or stand-up shows. We listen to Less than Jake before we leave the hotel room. Oh, that's cute. I've come to my senses. You know that song? Uh uh-uh. uh. I'm my own worst enemy.
0: <laughs>
1: that song.
3: It's so weird because as into ska as I was and obsessed with it and still sort of am, I, there's so many bands that I only know one album really well. Right. So like Less than Jake, I only really know Losing Streak really well. The Aquabats only had like Maybe, I only know a cup their first two albums really well because you kind of grew out of it so and the hippos only know one of their albums really well so yeah the after losing streak I didn't hold on to less than Jake
1: sorry sorry guys uh, this is just a nice comment that uh that uh, at Liberty Hempco uh, put they said what can we do to help get alone together picked up on Netflix. That show is so good, and there's no way it should have ever been canceled. Esther and Benji are so good on that show. The writing is great. The acting is great. Everything about that show is great. We need at least 10 more seasons.
3: That's really sweet. Thank cool. you. Um, I don't, my guess is, just because of the way things work now, is I don't think it would ever end up on Netflix, just because it's part of another huge corporate right, thing. Right, right, yeah. But, I don't know, tweeted Hulu, startup thing. Yeah. Like, I remember when um, our show was uh, getting promoted... Um, Shadow Hunters on Freeform got canceled. And then there was a whole army of like hashtag save Shadow Hunters. So every time Freeform posted anything about anything, there'd be literally a hundred Shadow Hunters fans being like, save Shadow Hunters. F- screw this show. Why are you canceling Shadow Hunters and promoting this guy? Like, Whoa. so it's like, it kind of is just like, yeah, I don't know how to tell you to save our show. It's sweet of you, but it would probably take a, a Shadow Hunters uh, army type of people. A big,
1: big undertaking. Yeah. Uh these two questions are pretty funny. Um at Julio Horchata, how much does Benji hate poor people? Um <laughs> <Aww. laughs>
3: <laughs> That's the problem with everyone always being like you're rich, you're rich. It's like, oh god.
1: You're
0: like, no, it's not. I like,
1: it's not like that, I swear. And
3: there's probably a lot of comedians who are way richer than me by a lot. I'm not even that rich. But well, you
1: just talk about it on stage. That's the well, only difference. Well, I talk difference. about where I'm from, right?
3: everybody does. And I'm not rich myself. But like, I, think I come from successful people. I
1: think instantly there's a lot of like poor comedians who move right. out here. And they just hear buzzwords yeah. like Beverly Hills. And they're like, wait, what? Yeah. I think it's like, more of that, you know? Yeah.
3: Because like... I have No that, names, re, but there's so many successful comedians right now. Remember, like remember no that, one's tweeting at Sebastian, being like, "What's it like to be rich and a comedian now?" It's like right, and he's doing great. Yeah, you You're, know that's just one example of the many comedians who have way more money than me who don't get asked stuff like
1: that. Remember when uh, we went to go show Todd Phillips uh, one of your one of your family's uh, oh right yeah <laughs> pieces of real estate yeah. to see if he was going to buy it? Yeah, and Benji literally <laughs> called me up. He's like
3: because uh, we were working on something. we were working like, on something like a and I was sketch like, or Can something. Can we do this really fast? I have to show my parents' house to Todd Phillips. He's like, Do you want do you want to show my parents' house to Todd Phillips with me? I was like, Uh, yeah. And we're both so desperate. Like Jeremiah's like, I'm gonna get discovered at Benji's house by Todd Phillips. Hey,
1: no, I'm like literally like, um, business cards <laughs> in the wallet. Here we go. Hopefully this organically comes up, which it did not.
3: And then you see him and you're trying to be cool, like all the savvy LA people, and you're like, Hey Todd Phillips, heard of goat milk?
1: yeah (laughs) dude i have to bring up this one sketch the uh, so benji and i did this sketch and it's the only sketch that i have literally it never went out because the poster was so controversial you shouldn't have
3: made the poster i I shouldn't have made the poster because the poster did was so out of context it
1: was so out of context
3: the sketch idea was what if a jew and a nazi were just roommates yes and, and nothing about them were, it was just very pedestrian roommate situations. It was
1: very low stakes yeah, kind of thing.
3: But he was dressed as a Nazi, and I, I was dressed very Jewish. A Nazi oh, was, armband, and, and he I had, had the, the freaking Jew yellow Jewish. But besides that, we were just regular guys. Yeah, we were just
1: in t shirts like this and stuff. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Benji comes into the living room. I'm like a mess. I've got like, you know. He's the slobby. It's I'm, like, yeah. I'm the slobby Nazi that happens to live sloppy, with his sloppy. Jewish buddy. There's cans, there's pizza, there's trash and stuff all around. And uh, Benji walks in, and he's like, Hey man, you left a dead you hey man, you left a dead Jew in the shower. <laughs> I'm like, Oh yeah. My bad. I'll get to that later. And he's like, No, you need to clean it
3: up. Oh, I'm like in my towel. Like I'm like I'm like trying ready to shower to go. And, like, and there's I'm a ready dead Jew. Right he's absorbing water. And so it was. It was just that it was probably like a eighty second sketch. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was very short. It
3: was just like a funny, quick but it thing. But
1: the, the visuals, like, so the poster. It so was,
3: Jeremiah, the marketing genius, hello, takes a, a screen grab.
1: Yep, I made a poster and I photoshopped uh, like a coming soon flyer, and we had the armbands on and we were like doing a sitcom pose like this, <laughs> and uh, I literally posted it. It's the quickest response that I've ever gotten to anything that I posted online. I got a phone call from who's, uh, you know, uh, who's my now wife. Uh, she goes, "What did you just post?" <laughs> I go, "What? I just, I, I just posted something like three minutes ago." She goes, "My mom just called me in a panic." I was like, "Your mom called you?" And I wasn't even talking to her mom very much at that point. And it was like early stages in our relationship. She's like, Jeremiah, I never asked you to take things down. You might have to take this one down. My mom just freaked out on me. She's like, I have a lot of Jewish friends. I don't know if you should be dating a guy like this. Like all (laughs) like just went off on the gamut. I deleted it. And Benji's like, hey, man, why'd you?
3: No, I was like, when are we posting the video? I I didn't notice that. Yeah. I was just like, when are we posting the video? And I
1: was like, oh, yeah, about that. We can't. We can't. And Benji's like, it's great. It was funny.
3: I thought it was good. Yeah. To this day, that would, yeah, that's funny. That's still a refillable it's idea. It's
1: still, yeah. It we is. have like
3: two other sketches in the pipeline. Oh, no. And then we, we had to.
1: We were going to make this our web series. It could have been the alone together that never happened.
3: Yeah. Had we just <laughs> plowed on through.
1: Yeah, dude. I'm sure in this current climate, that Yo, would have gone over go really great. well. now. Actually, Yikes. it probably would. I doubt it.
3: But now it's like Nazis are everywhere. It's like everyday stuff.
1: Yeah, I guess so. It's the armband that was the problem. I still have mine. Do you? Yeah. You do? Yeah, it's in my costume trunk. I, I've, I've kept every costume. Primer. I still have the Lil Wayne braids. I still have all that stuff.
3: I have no artistic ability, and
1: I the Jewish star I made looked great. It I did re- look good. It looked very good. It looked legit, kind of in a sad way.
3: You know, Yeah, it did look <laughs> like, sad. Like
1: the, the material that you chose, yeah. I was like, this is borderline sad.
3: And then do you—I re- remember— <laughs> Man, it's so funny thinking the hustle that you have to be on. I remember we were reaching out to costume people because we had to find Nazi stuff. Yes, and then like nobody had it. We were like had to get it shipped from a different state. But when you reach out to people for Nazi stuff, they don't want to give it to you because they think you want it for the bad. Like we had to like. They're like, "What do you need this Nazi stuff for?" Because if we found a costume house. And they and, wouldn't give it to us. Yeah. And then we had to like explain and this and that.
1: They're like, we only, um, they're like, we only do it in big bulks, like for plays, like the sound of music and stuff like that. Yeah. We don't like give individual ones because we're like, hey, we need two. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what do you need two for? They're like, you know, we just, we just need we're doing it. A we're doing a sketch, we a student film. We're in Hollywood. Yeah. We probably said, student yeah, program. probably that. that was, that's the default excuse for shooting anything illegally without a permit or an LA. It's a student film. Panasonic HVX. Here we go. It's a camera. Yeah.
3: Do you think those still look good, those cameras? Do you think they still make a good quality video? Or those look, same ones? No, know? it'll
1: look it'll look kind of old? Yeah, it'll look like Yeah. Back when we stylized were stylized old, yeah.
3: There was a camera called the Panasonic HVX. Ooh, don't get me started, Benji. And it was a really easy way to shoot stuff that looked okay. And then I think the the five D's came along and just were much. It just better. wiped it out, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. No big deal,
1: just tech talk, guys. No big deal, NBD. Let's get into this final segment, sax talk.
4: Oh, sax talk.
1: All right, I already prepped Benji. He's going to share a story of a sexual encounter, and I'm going to play some sweet, sweet sax to go along with it. Can whenever you're ready, Benji. How graphic can this be? It can be as graphic as you'd like, my friend. We actually haven't had a graphic one in a while, so I'd, I'd like that.
3: Okay, this is a funny story. I have two funny stories from a trip to Canada I did with Polly Shore. Do you want to hear both my Canada Polly Shore stories?
1: Yes, please.
3: Okay, I'll start with the graph. I'll start with the the graphic one. Just get going. Okay, um, I'm performing in Edmonton with Polly Shore and Sandy Danto, and we're performing at a rock venue because Polly often will just kind of book his own things. And so we perform at Edmonton at this rock venue. We're hanging out afterwards. I remember I was talking to like a really nice girl and things were going good. We were sort of having a drink. And then I saw the bad girl and I was like, oh, I feel like maybe this nice girl I'm talking to is like a little more of a sure thing. But I think I'm ready to go give my attention to that bad girl over there. She had like tats like you could just tell from her vibe. So then I go to the bad girl. We start talking. Things are going good. Um, and then I knew where the green room was And I was like, hey, let's go to the green room If you want to see the green room Or I can show you around the venue You know, even though I've only been there an hour or whatever So we go into the green room It's empty We um, we start making out um, And then I don't remember how it came to this But she pretty much told me She was wearing like a shiny girly shirt With like spaghetti straps <laughs> And she told me if I put it on, she would blow me. And so I did. I put on a woman's shirt and started kissing her, and it felt so uncomfortable, like because I think I'm already insecure about being small and like a a wimp. So I don't have the confidence to wear women's clothing while kissing a girl. That's just I don't have that. But I and I did it for a moment. I was like, I have to take this girl shirt off. So I take the girl's shirt off, and sure enough, she starts um, she starts blowing me, and uh, and then uh, and then she sort of stops, and then I go, and then I go, "What's going on?" She goes, "Well, my date's downstairs, and he's my ride home." I'm like, "You're here with a date," and I'm also like in the middle of you know oral sex, so I'm just kind of like, "Well, um, I don't know. Like, do you have to go? Like, why don't I just get you a ride home or something like that?" I can pay for a taxi. And then I'll never forget what she... Like, she took that as me trying to show off that I had money. And she goes, I ain't impressed with money. I used to date a crack dealer. And I was like, okay. So uh, she she then took her Sharpie, took a Sharpie because it was a green room, and then wrote her number on my torso, and I never saw her again. All right, the next story, also from that same tour. Now I'm in a more rural town in Canada. And uh, show's over, or Polly's up, like, because I open, so while the show's kind of still happening, I can sort of walk around and stuff. And there's a, a girl who is a lesbian. And um, we were talking, so she told me she was a lesbian. She also had, like, really short hair, um, but... She was really pretty. It was like the prettiest girl trying to look like a boy, kind of. Like, kind of dressed like a boy, like a, like a plaid shirt, short hair. And at one point, like, as a joke, she even came in the men's room with me. And I was like, this girl's so funny. And, like, she was really, really pretty. But, but yeah, a lesbian, nonetheless. And we're having a great time. She, like, comes in the men's room with me. We're still drinking. And, and then she goes, hey. I'm 90% lesbian, and tonight, I'm going to give you my
4: 10%.
3: And then she immediately threw up. And gave me a ride home to my hotel. And we didn't hook up at all. Those are the two stories. Dude, what about me? Oh man, I've got some more, but I don't want to tell. I don't want to speak on your behalf,
1: Polly. Dude, I want you to I want you to talk about me, bro. No, I'll let I'll let your your secrets stay your secrets, Polly. Okay. Hey, hey Benji. Yeah. What's your favorite memory with me, bro?
3: My favorite memory with Polly is uh Okay um we're in philadelphia yeah and he had like a local friend there because he tours a lot so there'll be someone in different towns we remembers from a previous tour or whatever. yeah i do and so uh there's this guy and he's like a sort of douchey guy but nice guy and he has a range rover and, and like he came to the show the night before and he's like i'm taking you guys out to lunch tomorrow blah 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 picks uh, he's got his girlfriend it's me sandy and polly in the back of a range rover and then it starts overheating And so the guy kind of starts panicking and then we go to like a small quaint part of Philadelphia to get lunch, but everything's closed because it was like a weird quaint part. So now we have to drive to Whole Foods and that takes a while. And then the whole time Polly's like being like is getting is hungry and getting antsy Dude, I need to eat, bro. Yeah, and the guy'll be like, "I might need to stop to get my car fixed," and then and then, but no, but he won't say that. He'll he'll go like this. He'll pinch you and he'll whisper in your ear and he'll be like, "Hey, tell him this isn't cool."
1: Hey, this is not. I don't like this. And I'm
3: and I'm like, he's trying to find us a place to eat. He goes, "Tell him it's not cool," and then I have to go. Hey, man, this isn't cool. And and then and then the guy'll be like, "Benji's my
1: little puppet baby." And the guy'll be
3: like, "We're driving to Whole Foods. We're figuring it out." I'm like, "Polly, we're going to Whole Foods. We're figuring it out." He'll be like. And then he'll pinch me again. He'll be like, "Tell him we're hungry." I'm like, "He knows we're hungry." He'll be like, "Tell him," and I have to be like, "Hey, man, we're hungry." <laughs> and so I have to keep complaining for Polly to this guy who's like, "Dude, trying I don't want to be the not
1: cool guy, bro."
3: Yeah, but dude, I imagine ben, the guy could hear you whispering in my ear, Polly.
1: Dude, I I always whisper at this level, bro. <laughs> I'll
3: just never forget him being like, "Tell him." I like when Polly says, "Tell him." tell him tell him
1: <laughs> tell him dude but why don't you tell him benji i
3: did you told me to tell him and i told dude, him
1: dude. tell him papa's still hungry <laughs> benji uh, uh thank you so much for coming on the show man yeah. uh i loved both of those uh those sax talk stories now you are uh you've got some uh, some great uh headlining dates coming up so why don't you uh plug some of those uh for January and February, right? Yeah,
3: I'm gonna be at Caroline's on Broadway in New York City oh, on yeah. January 23rd, and then in Chicago, February uh, in Chicago, February 11th and 12th at, at Zanies. Wow! So I'm really stoked. I've never gotten like
1: legit headlining spots at legit clubs, so I'm really excited. Guys, definitely come out. Uh, I hope you can come back on. Uh Kill Tony before them, too.
3: Yeah, I feel like I just did it. I was going to ask him, but yeah, I feel like there's a couple podcasts I want to do that I just did to help promote my shows, and I'm like, "Eh, I don't know if I can ask again, but yeah. also hope I got those dates right. I was kind of going off memory.
1: It's all right. Well, tweet tweet them, and we'll retweet them and and stuff like that. Check out Benji in Chicago and New York coming up. In January, it's happening, in February?
3: Yeah, February 11th and 12th, Chicago, and then I'm pretty sure January 23rd at uh, Caroline's on Broadway. Check their calendar.
1: Awesome. Uh, And then uh, also Alone Together is on Hulu. Yeah, if you want
3: to watch Alone Together, you can always stream
1: it on Hulu. Proud of the show. It's funny stuff. Dude, I I, before we go real quick, I I have uh, one of my favorite memories of you is uh, walking in late to uh, my wedding. Oh my
3: God. Should we unpack
1: it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Real quick. What's so down.
3: funny about this is we're rushing to get to his wedding on time. We like park, me and Tony. We jump out of the car. Um and then we uh we like don't know where the entrance is, so we end up going through like the back of the of the reception hall or whatever. Yeah. And we're and then we like see people and then they're like getting ready. So we're like, I think we're okay. And then we get to the part of the place where um all the the cards are that tell you what table, the table setting cards. Mm-hmm. We get there and Earl's just standing there looking at the looking at the cards, trying to figure out where he's sitting. So right when we get there, we're like, oh sweet, we're good. Like Earl's just standing around grabbing his table setting thing and we're standing right with him, so we're good. And Earl is this very like tall, sort of aloof energy, big thick glasses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey,
1: what's up? Oh, hey, Benji. Hey, what's and, going on?
3: Yeah, and we're like, oh, okay, cool. He's standing around still. We didn't miss anything. And all of a sudden we turn around and And it's Jeremiah and a priest And they're just like, dude, sit down Like, why are you just all standing here? And we're just like, I thought we're on time Like, we got here and Earl's just standing here
1: Benji and Tony are like, hey man, how's it going? I'm like, guys, (laughs) get to the seat right now Like, we're already started. Maya's about to come out into the aisle we right were, now. We were, like,
3: obstructing his wedding. Yeah. But it was only because Earl was just standing there, too, when we got there. Hey, man. I was just, you know, <laughs> I was
0: just out the candy and stuff like that, man. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. Just hanging out in the back of the right, Figured we could get
1: a quick riff session. I sent you a wedding gift, right? Yeah, you did. Okay, good. Yeah, man. Solid. You got to keep up with those. Solid wedding gift from the Aflalo company. <laughs> it's from Benji Aflalo. That's right. Doing it right, as a write-off, a gift, (laughs) probably. Yeah, probably because it was a very it was a very specific number. Oh no, you know why? Why? Um,
3: it's a Jew thing. Is it? Yeah, the number eighteen. Was there an eighteen or a thirty-six in it? Probably. Yeah, it's a Jew thing. When you give someone a gift, you eighteen is symbolic of life. Wow. There's something in Judaism called chai. Oh, we got to a Jew superstition. Oh, okay. And um, it's two letters. And a yud, I think, and it means life. And then Jews are really into the letters also having numerical significance, and those are one and eight. Wow. So if I was really rich, I would have given you eighteen thousand dollars for your wedding. And as a Jew, you would be like, Thank you, life and
1: money. Wow. Yeah. Learning so much at the very end of this podcast. Benji. Benji.
0: You Thank you for coming, coming on the show and unloading your Jewish knowledge on us.
1: Thank you. I love you, dude. Thanks for doing the show. Love you, Ben. <laughs>